What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Flippin' Bats Live episode presented by Taco Bell. Down on the field, game three just ended up. Braves win the ball game. But before we get into that, at the World Series. And speaking of, let's bring in World Series hero from last year, my man, Brett Phillips. Brett, this atmosphere, man, this, this was unbelievable tonight. Talk about electric, talk about fan love, talk about energy. Here in Atlanta, these fans brought it, and that is a big factor when it comes to these World Series games. We were down on the field after game two, which you joined me as well, and we talked about the chop that's going to happen during the bullpen changes. Even I undersold it. It was incredible. Yeah, you know, when you talk about traditions, that's one of the best traditions in you know the game, and I think they, these fans, they love it, they have fun with it, and uh, it's really cool to experience it. Yeah, this was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever experienced. Braves win. Two to one. This is big. Now they got two more at home. What do you think about the next two they got going on right here? Game four starts tomorrow. What are you looking for? Ian Anderson threw great today. Can they? What are they going to do now that Morton's out? What do you do going forward? Yeah, you know when you look at it tonight, Ian Anderson taking you know a no hitter into the fifth or six, whatever it was, and then taking the the rest of the Atlanta's bullpen taking a no hitter into the eighth. I mean. This is Houston Astros. I don't know if you know, but on the road this year, they were one of the best road offenses in, in the league. And for Atlanta to do what they did to hold Houston off is very impressive. It's going to be interesting going forward with Atlanta starting pitching with, with Charlie being out. But, you know, I'm excited to see how this series wraps up. But so far, excitement. The, the, these teams are bringing excitement. Fans love that. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to be watching it. Where does this atmosphere rank for you of places you've seen it's up there for me i'm gonna be honest this is up there for me this was awesome you know this matches boston when we were there for the alds i gotta say the braves fans i don't know if it's if they haven't been to it's because they haven't been to a world series since 99 or they're just energetic and electric because they're loud this place was loud like 50,000 people um again really cool to sit back from a different point of view not being on the field being in the stands and hearing it has just been incredible brett thank you my friend the best part of this was your intro your little slide in right there i like that i always appreciate you joining me yeah i appreciate you having me ben take care <laughs> i appreciate it what a game what an exciting game. Look, there weren't a lot of runs scored in this game. It was a fairly low-scoring ball game, but a great ball game nonetheless. So let's get into it. And it starts in the top of the first when Ian Anderson goes out there. I talked a lot about how much the Astros need that first inning to be a big swing for them. They need to come out and shut down the other team and then score. So I've been talking a lot about that first inning. And we got there tonight, and Ian Anderson starts off with a guy getting on base, and then he shuts it down. Ian Anderson threw fantastic tonight. That first guy gets on base, and then he gets a, a comebacker right at him. The game can shift right here, and I know this isn't an exaggeration. The game can shift on this play right here. Ian Anderson, a comebacker, second, second batter of the game. You can easily throw this into center field. Pitchers are not good at this. Pitchers are not great at these comebackers. So ball comes right back to him. He throws it to second base, fires it over to first, double play. From there, the Astros... Honestly, we're shut down. But his counterpart tonight, Luis Garcia, we have to talk about Luis Garcia. He threw incredible as well. He stepped up. He had a great game. What more can you expect from him? He throws three and two-thirds. He punches out a few guys. He only gives up one run. But he was just out-dueled by an Ian Anderson. 
Ian Anderson looked great. He threw five innings. No hits through five. Absolutely incredible outing from him. I mean, hats off to Ian Anderson. It's all about shutting down that Astros offense. But it was, it, it was a struggle for both sides to score runs. And then comes Austin Riley, one of the heroes of the night, Austin Riley, who is an MVP candidate this season, by the way. He's a young stud on this team, but he's getting it done for this team. He comes up big first and second. Uh, a ball down the line, run scores. I actually thought two runs were going to score on this play. But the only run of the game for a long, long time scores on that Austin Riley hit down the line. Diving play by the third baseman Bregman. He just misses it, but the run ends up, the run ends up coming home. Looked like two were going to score. They held him up because they only had one out. That didn't end up being the right move. Why not test it? But we didn't know at the time how low scoring this ball game was going to be. A.J. Minter comes in after Ian Anderson and absolutely locks it down. A guy gets on base, which hadn't happened often for the Astros, but Minter strikes out Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez is one of the best hitters in the game right now. He's hot. Minter, great job there getting it done, getting out Jordan Alvarez, getting out of that inning, and shutting down any momentum that was there because there was a little bit. The crowd can feel it, but he shut it down, and he got out of it. So then Austin Riley, again, one of the heroes of the night, makes a play over at third base. Backhands the ball literally right here behind me. Literally right here behind me. A great play, catches it on kind of a tough hop. But this throw is what goes a little underrated to me. This is what I noticed. That throw that he throws it immediately into the ground, that's intentional. You do that intentionally. He throws it into the ground. It skips across the wet grass. Freddie Freeman makes a nice play. That was a really big play in this one nothing ball game. Uh, and, and to that point, no hits. No hits from the Astros. But then we have Alonis Diaz come up later in the game. Finally gets the first hit of the ball game for the Astros. This hit, by the way, wasn't killed. It was not crushed. This ball is a blooper down the left field line, or, uh, in front of the left fielder, Rosario comes charging in. What are you doing here, Rosario? What, what are you doing? There's no hits. Nobody giving up a hit all night long. We've only seen one no-hitter in World Series history. Larson, I believe. Rosario comes running in, and he kind of checks up, doesn't make a play. Look, I understand if, there's, if it's a line shot, but this was a blooper. The ball's going nowhere. So... Lay out. Attempt to lay out. What are, you, what are you doing? You have to lay out on that ball. You have to make a play. The Astros end up getting a hit and then end up pinch running for Letimus Diaz, who isn't the fastest guy in the world. Jose Siri gets on base, and it kind of got to the point, like, why isn't he running? Why isn't he running? But they finally get a hit. Siri gets on base, and then he runs. He steals second base. He slides in safely, and the ball goes into the outfield. Travis Darnot throws it a little short. Ball hops, goes into the outfield. Siri gets up and runs to third. He almost, I'm not kidding, he almost went from first to home on this play. He almost stole second base, got to third base, and went home, but they end up getting it in. He doesn't, he doesn't, end, he doesn't end up scoring because of Tyler Matzik. Tyler Matzik has been nails for this Atlanta Braves team. Tyler Matzik has been one of the heroes of this postseason. If the Braves go on to win this World Series, which – they're now two games away from. He's very much so going to be a hero. Look, this guy's story has been incredible. He had the yips. Now he's pitching on the biggest stage in the world, and he gets a huge out here 
in that inning to end it with a threat on third base. And then one nothing ball game. It's kind of looking like this is going to finish a one nothing ball game, but it's always nice to get that insurance. The guy that actually threw that ball in the dirt, the guy that allowed that runner to get to third and almost score, Travis Darno, obviously isn't feeling great about that, but I'm sure he ended up just fine because he ends up hitting a bomb to dead center. That ball was crushed. Guys, it, it's cold here. It's very chilly. It's rainy. It's been drizzly. It's been wet all day long. To hit a ball that hard to center field is very, very difficult. So that insurance run was huge. He ends up making up for that error that he made. Ball game, 2-0. But it was cold. He ends up hitting that bomb in the cold. And I ended up asking one of the heroes of the night about that. One of the heroes of the night with a huge hit down the line. A big play over here at third base, which I talked a good bit about. But I wanted to ask him about it. And I caught up with Austin Riley immediately after the game. And let's check out that. We're here with Austin Riley. This crowd, dude, I have to ask you about this. This is one of the coolest atmospheres I've seen. Talk a little bit about this crowd we had here tonight. You know, it's crazy. Um, you know, being in, in Milwaukee with the dome and stuff, and even, you know, in Houston, um, it, it was loud, but I felt like tonight was it was really loud. Um, you know, they, they brought it. Uh, even with the conditions, rainy, cold, they still brought it. Um, you know, that was, that was a good win. Still, still, still a lot of work to do, so uh, I need them to bring it tomorrow, too. All right, so I know in weather like this, it's very cold. It's a little rainy. How difficult it is to, to hit. We saw a very low-scoring ball game. You came up with a huge knock. Honestly, knocked in one of the only runs of the game. How difficult is it, and does your approach change at the plate? You know, not not really. Um, you know, the way I look at it, we're, we're having to go through it. They're having to go through it. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you get, you get in the heater, try to get your hands warm because, um, you know, hitting one off the end does not feel good in weather like this. Um, but no, I mean they have they have really good pitchers. You know, I'm just trying to stay in the middle of the field um, on the fastball, and I think that was the reason why I was able to stay on that slider. It's a great at bat. One last question: You made a great play over there at third. It, it kind of goes a little unnoticed, though. How difficult that throw is. So you bounced that intentionally, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron and I. I mean, just being so deep, um, and like I said, in these conditions, ball's a little wet. Ron and I have been working a lot. That was actually the first one I've ever done in a big league game. So um, we just, you know, build that confidence, you know, in practice and practice. Cause like I said, it just makes it, you know, it's a, it's an easier throw. You don't have to be as accurate and, let, you know, let Freddie do his thing. Um, yeah, I, I actually like it a lot. Pulled it out in a big moment. Congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. Austin Riley, one of the heroes of the night. But my ultimate player of this game, Ian Anderson. What an outing for him. What an absolute stud. What a big outing on the biggest stage. You're home. A World Series game for the first time in 22 years in your home city. And he goes out, has a no-hitter through five innings. He's, he's a rookie. This guy is a stud. Technically a rookie. He has pitched before, but this year he's still classified as a rookie. Ian Anderson is a, is a stud. And he has been struggling, struggling in the NLCS. He hadn't been great to this point. So you're a little worried. You're a little nervous about him heading into this game. But we can talk about what he did on the mound. But what's most impressive to me, obviously, no hits through five. But, but arguably, what makes this most impressive is that the Braves haven't had a World Series in their home city in 22 years. And this is the first game. There's about 80,000 people on hand, 50,000 in the stadium, 
thousands more out on the plaza, which was one of the coolest things I've gotten to experience. And he was nails tonight. He was lights out. Five innings, no hits, ends up coming out of the game, which I am tired of seeing. I am over starting pitchers, throwing great in the playoffs, and not just throwing great. He was borderline perfect. He had a walk, but then he had no hits, and he gets pulled after five? It reminds me of Blake Snell. The Blake Snell situation did ended up costing them. This didn't, but this is a bad decision. And I don't think it's great for, for us, for the fans, for us to watch. I want to see a guy attempt to throw a no-hitter. That's what I want to see. We're in a one nothing ball game. It's a great ball game. Ian Anderson also has a no-hitter on the line. Can you take him out with a no-hitter on the line? I, I don't like that move. But what I do like is just how much he did tonight for this Atlanta Braves team, just how well he did. Absolutely incredible when they needed it most. Look, Charlie Morton out done for the season now they needed this i talked about this after game two they're gonna need ian anderson to be a guy they need that and tonight he was a guy an absolute guy look i love making this show interactive as always so we have some questions about this so let's throw it to our first question ben i have a question the braves pitching coach removed ian anderson after he'd had an outstanding performance in the first five innings but Eddie Rosario could have dived for it. <laughs> yes, he could have. Look, Ian Anderson was out of the game at that point. But this team still has a no-hitter going. This gets late in the game. This starts to get the feeling of they could throw a no-hitter against the Astros, the best offenses in baseball. Is this going to be a no-hitter? And then you get a pop-up to left, and this is an out. These guys are professionals. These guys play in the major leagues. That ball needs to be caught. Eddie Rosario comes running in. He kind of holds up on it. Dive for the ball. Dive. What are you doing? You have to dive. There's a no-hitter on the line. Everyone dreams of this. Everyone dreams of being that play that saves a no-hitter. So I'm with you. You got to dive and catch it, and who knows what, what could have happened the rest of the game. They could have ended up with a no-hitter. Let's throw it to another question. Thank you for that one, Alan. Is Anderson the Braves' new number one? Oh, that's a good question. So to me, I look at Max Freed and Ian Anderson, and they've they've been continuing to throw out Max Freed in these games ahead of Ian Anderson. But after tonight, yeah, I gotta I, I gotta say Ian Anderson right now with what this Braves team has is their new number one pitcher. Look, this isn't a, a fluke. You can't come out in your first home game in the World Series and, and throw like this and it not mean something a little more. He obviously threw great tonight, but this is a great sign for them moving forward. He threw incredible. He's figured something out clearly. This offense is really, really good. I've talked a lot about this Astros offense and how good they are, how good they have been all year, and how, how can you shut them down? Well, Ian Anderson figured something out. He figured out how to shut them down. So he clearly executed what he needed to do he clearly executed what he was trying to do that's why he's my player of the game and that's why I believe that he is the new number one on this brave staff moving forward so he's going to get one more start in this series you got to believe look out because now now he's figured something out this this Braves pitching even after Ian Anderson came out tonight was lights out this Braves bullpen has continued 
to do the things that they needed to do to, to win ball games. The Braves weren't known for their bullpen, but they just got guys coming out of that bullpen and throwing so well. You got Tyler Matzik, you got Will Smith, you got Luke Jackson, you got A.J. Minter. All of these guys come in after seeing what Ian Anderson did in this outing. It's not easy to, to one, get loose in this sort of atmosphere. You're, you're in the bullpen, it's cold, it's rainy. So what you're asking when you take Ian Anderson out of the game after five innings is for a, a few more pitchers to come in and do well. So you're asking them all to be on their game in a tough environment to do it. And that's difficult. It's not easy to get ready in these situations. It's not easy to pitch in these situations in front of this atmosphere, in front of this crowd. So what you're asking is for every single guy that comes in to be the best that he can be. And they were all dominant tonight. This Braves pitching staff from top to bottom tonight was lights out. And that's the reason they won this game. Obviously, they didn't put up many runs, but hats off to this Braves pitching. Tonight was incredible. This is one of the best pitching performances that I have ever seen in the in, in the World Series. I've had the privilege to go to, I think this is my fifth World Series. This is one of the best pitching performances I've seen because of what Ian Anderson did and then the bullpen coming in and following that up, all shutting everybody down. Truly incredible. Hats off to the Braves pitching. Let's take a question on this. If Braves pitching continues to dominate, will they win this series? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've talked about it a good bit. Bra good pitching can beat good hitting. But good hitting can bring out the worst in pitchers. So if the Braves go out and execute, there's no way they lose. They can't lose. These guys are so good, especially this bullpen. So now that Morton's out, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to rely on this bullpen, and they did tonight. After Ian Anderson, that shows you how much Brian Snicker believes in this bullpen. His starting pitcher hadn't thrown a bunch of pitches. He was through five no-hit innings, and he pulled him. That shows you how much confidence he has in this bullpen right now. And if this bullpen keeps being as good as they are, they can't be beat. So thank you for that question. Let's move on to this MLB youth movement we're having right now, and I love every second of it. You know why? Because these young guys are stepping up. You look at Ian Anderson tonight, who's so young. You look at Austin Riley, who we just heard from, who I caught up with immediately following the game. He's young as well. Austin Riley's going to be in the MVP conversation this year. I know he's not going to win it, but for him to be as young as he is and to be in the MVP conversation, and now he's getting it done on the biggest stage in the world, baseball's in good hands. Baseball's in such good hands. Look at, look at the rest of this Braves team. Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna, and that's just this Braves team. This is what baseball needs. Guys like Jazz Chisholm, who is on hand here tonight. I, I know I talked about this after game one when Shohei was here, but I really think it's, it's awesome for some of the biggest stars in the game to show up at the World Series, to be seen at the World Series. It's great. It, it's what baseball needs. Jazz Chisholm is, is what my show embodies. He was here tonight. This youth movement is awesome. I, I talked to him about, I talked to Jazz about that tonight. I said, I love the way you play the game. I, I, I talk about you on the show. And, and then for, for the, the following night, for this night, to come down to what the young studs can do, I'm so thrilled with the state of baseball right now and how good these young studs are. 
the future of baseball is so bright and it makes me so happy. So let's throw this one, let's throw this to a question as well. Let's see what we got. David, are young players better than ever in MLB? Yeah, you know what? I, I think what we're starting to see is is young players be trusted to compete on the biggest stage. For so long, it was you get drafted and then you have to go through every level of the minor leagues and you can't skip it. Um, but what we started to see was young guys coming up like Ronald Acuna at such a young age, like Fernando Tatis at such a young age, and proving, wait, we have these guys in the minor leagues that we know are studs? Why Why aren't we bringing them up? Let's help them be a part of, of the league. L- let's do that. And I think that is what we're seeing. I think the young guys in the league right now are better than we have ever seen. And that's a big reason, like what I was just talking about, the future is bright. So thank you for that question. Let's get the next one. This one comes from Randy. Will a player 25 or under win World Series MVP this year? Ooh, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm going to say I'm gonna say no because my prediction to this point has been Astros in six. And with, with Altuve having the series he is, I think he's going to step up. So that's a great question. And the fact that we're even able to ask that question – speaks volumes to where this league is but just a a gut feeling my gut feeling is no Altuve is going to win it I I don't know that's quite the prediction when the Astros are down two to one in the series after three games Um, but he's playing great quite the prediction but I'm going to say no so thank you for those questions look guys we see it right now the tarp was just pulled right behind me which is pretty cool to to see while I'm live on the field at the World Series the tarp gets pulled out Tonight was tough. Tonight was tough conditions, not only for these guys on the field, but for me in the stands as a dedicated viewer. I got chilly. My hands got cold. Hats off to me for getting through this game as I did, um, honestly. But seriously, these elements tonight were difficult. And as a, as a professional athlete for at least a few years, I, I played – and one year comes to mind, it was when I was playing in West Michigan and the season starts in April, it's 20 degrees there. It's snowing, and we're not quite to that point yet. Uh, we're not quite to that point here. We're in Atlanta. But it was cold tonight. Your hands are, are a factor in this. I talked to Austin Riley about it, Travis Darno hitting that home run in the, free, in, the, in the cold. This is a big situation. It affects everything. It's an advantage for the pitchers when it's chilly outside. Because they're, they're out there every inning, and their bodies get warmed up. They're throwing every pitch. But it's an advantage for the pitchers. That's why we saw this be such a low-scoring game tonight. Obviously, the pitching was good on both sides, but these elements are tough. So at the plate, it makes it very difficult. If you don't hit the ball perfectly and you get jammed or off the end of the bat, it feels like you're not going to have hands for the next three days. It's very difficult. But aside from that, it plays other factors. It plays a factor in other facets of the game, like what we saw right here behind me with Austin Riley making that play. He knows he can skip it across the infield. He knows the grass is wet, I can bounce it, and it's going to skip. It's going to skip to Freddie Freeman. And he got that done. He made a great play. So, yeah, we see it showing up in a bunch of ways. Defense, offense, everything. So the elements tonight were a big factor, and it's supposed to be chilly here tomorrow night. So perhaps another low-scoring game that we're going to get. So let's throw it to a a fan question we got here. Manny, how much does rain affect games? You know, rain doesn't affect it as much as cold does. So, you know, even Austin Riley was talking about how down in in between innings he'd go – into the dugout and warm up his hands next to the heater 
before you're going up to the plate, that's what you're doing. Your hands are literally in front of a heater because it's very, very difficult to hit when it's cold outside. So the rain obviously plays a factor. Things are a little more slippery. In the outfield, it's tougher to get to balls because you have to keep your feet under you a little more. You can't take those big strides because you can slip. So it plays a factor defensively. But at the plate, it's more cold weather than it is the rain. But very good question. Let's get to the next one. This one comes from David. Does the cold and rain give Atlanta even more of an advantage at home? <sighs> That's a good question. And, and you know what? I, I think it does because the Astros are never playing in it, at least at home. They never play in it. They have a dome. They have a, they have a roof. It doesn't rain in that stadium. So they don't play in it near as much as the Braves do. So I'd say that has a little bit of a factor but not much. I mean, every, everybody's used to it. You, you play in it on the road. You play in it everywhere you go. Um, you play in it at the beginning of the season. And, and it's not like – I would say Atlanta would have more of an advantage if this was a cold-weather state and they play in the cold a lot more often. But they don't. It's Atlanta. This is abnormally cold. And I know that because everybody that I come across that works for the Braves is saying, I promise you it was 80 degrees like three days ago. This is crazy. It is kind of crazy. It's very cold, but the Braves are not used to that. But it's October, and October baseball is meant to be played in the cold. This just feels right. It just feels like October baseball out here. You can feel it. Thank you for that question. Let's get to the next one. This one comes from Alex. Does bad weather help pitchers or batters more? Great question. Absolutely, without a doubt, it is the batter. It helps, it helps the pitchers more, and it hurts the batters. Had to figure out your question. It definitely helps pitchers more because of what I was talking about with the cold hands. Look, at the plate, you're facing guys throwing 100 miles an hour with a wood bat. The ball's coming at you 100 miles an hour. When your hands are cold, it's hard to do anything. My hand's cold holding this microphone right now. I might drop it in a second. I don't even know. But it's definitely harder being <laughs> – look, this is great. This is how good my team is. We just have hand warmers at the ready – so no worries, I'm not going to be dropping this microphone. But absolutely, it's way harder as a hitter. I used to hate going up to the plate when it was below 50 degrees out because you know it's pitcher advantage. So it's hard on you, and you also know the pitcher has that advantage because he's not cold. He's warm, and he's feeding off of knowing where you're at mentally at the plate and knowing that you're going to struggle at the plate against him since he's warm. Look, the story of this night for me, though, Obviously, the elements were tough. It was a great game, a great low-scoring game. The story of this night for me was this environment. I, I, I couldn't believe it, and it started with me showing up to the field and being out at the battery out, out, outside of the stadium. There were thousands of people there. There was a band playing. Honestly, I've seen a lot of cool atmospheres. This is up there, and we just heard from Brett Phillips a little while ago. Compare this to Fenway Park. Fenway Park is what I listed as my number one atmosphere in all of October. I agree with him. This is close. This was awesome, even before we got into the stadium. So I was here mostly all day. The gates open, and I'm not kidding you, two and a half hours before this game started, you couldn't move on the concourse. You couldn't move anywhere. So I already got the feeling of this is going to be awesome. And as the, as the night continued to progress and we got closer and closer to first, uh, first pitch, you could honestly tell 
This team hasn't been able to see a World Series game at home in over 20 years. They were so charged up. And one of the coolest things that I thought was when there's a pitching change in the away team, I knew this would be cool. I know I, I knew they did this. All the lights go out. All the fans bring out their spotlights on their phone, their flashlights on their phone. Not their spotlight. Most phones don't have a spotlight, but they have flashlights. They pulled out their flashlights, and they all do the chop. And I had the chills. I had the chills watching it, and that's not an exaggeration. I love this game. I get the chills about a good bit of things when they're really cool. This was one of those things. It was honestly really, really cool. I cannot say enough about this environment. The second I walked out onto the field, the last out ended, the gates open up. I walk out onto the field with fireworks going off and Blooper running out with his flag. This place was incredible tonight. And, and if I could redo the, the top five postseason atmospheres, you best believe the Atlanta Braves would be in it. So let's get to some fan questions. This one comes from Ben. Better home atmosphere, Astros or Braves? You're putting me on the spot. The Astros I put as my number two home atmosphere, I believe. I love playoff baseball at Minute Maid Park. When, especially when that roof is closed, it is special. But like I just said, this Atlanta Braves fan base, this, this stadium is absolutely going in my top five. Do I know where it is? No. Is this a cop-out answer? Yes. The Astros were two. The Braves are very close. I put them two and three in some order. I don't know which order, but thank you for that question. Let's get to the next one. This one comes from Doug. Favorite part of the crowd tonight? Absolutely the, the chop during the bullpen changes. It was awesome. I, I, I'm a sucker for when crowds do certain things uh, in unison and they have their own thing. This is, this is their own thing. This is what the Braves have, and it is awesome. I've seen it on TV, and I was like, this is going to be really cool to see, and, and I undersold it. It was, it was incredible. So thank you for that question. Let's get to the next one. All right, this, what does this tweet say? Fox Sports MLB, the Braves fans are getting loud in game three, Battle Atlanta. Look, this, I mean, just look at these shots. This is so cool. I had such a blast being here tonight. I loved every single second of it. I was blown away by what I saw here tonight. A great game on the field, but an awesome atmosphere after this. Um, so thank you for those questions about the atmosphere because honestly, it was the coolest part of the night for me as well. But as always, this is a fun, alive, and interactive show. I always ask you guys to get your questions in, and you guys did just that. So let's answer some fan questions now. This one comes from Randy. Ben, is it really hard to adjust to a pitcher that you have never faced before? Anderson seemed to have the Astro number tonight. Yes. Great question. When a batter has never faced a pitcher before, it's advantage pitcher. Without a doubt, the batter hasn't faced a pitcher. It can be advantage pitcher because, look, it's very tough. When you start seeing guys again and again and again, that's kind of why we see pitchers not going deep into games, especially in the playoffs, because that average, once they get to the third time around the lineup, your average starts jumping because you're used to seeing that guy. You've seen his release point. You've seen, you've seen what he can do. So when you've never seen a pitcher, 
it's very, very difficult on you. So, so that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Let's get to the next one. This one comes from Mason. With Morton out, how do the Braves cover game four and five? Do Kyle Wright and Tucker do Kyle Wright and Tucker Davidson both get starts? Do they piggyback in game four and a true bullpen game in game five? What would Ben do in Snit's shoes? Well, if I'm in Snit's shoes, I am very nervous every game. Uh, and I probably have to I, – I feel like I have to lean on Kyle Wright one game. Look, you know at this point with, with Morton being out, you're going to have to have a bullpen game. You don't want to have two back-to-back. So what I think what I think I would do, and this is largely dependent on if pitchers are ready to go, but what I would do is I'd start Kyle Wright and hope you can get three, four innings out of him, and then you have to rely on the bullpen for a long time, not just the remaining innings of that game, but probably the next game. You're probably going to have to have two back-to-back bullpen games at this point. And if any team can do it, it's this Braves team right now. Their bullpen has been dominant. They've been really good, and we saw it here again tonight. So if I'm Snit, I start Kyle Wright, and then I rely on the bullpen for 15 more innings in a row. And, and it's going to be tough, but we all knew that when Charlie Morton went down. We knew it was going to be tough for this Braves team. They had to win tonight with what was coming, and they did. So great question. Let's get to another one. I love answering questions. This one comes from Alden. Seeing the Braves relievers so much as the series goes uh, goes in, will it benefit the Astros? How can the Braves work to mitigate that if they can? Yes, absolutely, but there's no way around it at this point. There's no way, there's no way around what we're seeing. The Braves are going to have to rely heavily on their bullpen. It helps the Astros every single time they see a guy again and again and again, but there's no way around it. It definitely benefits the Astros. you got to rely heavy on the bullpen. We Everybody knows it. The Astros know it. The Braves know it. Here's my best against your best. What can you do? Good question. Let's get to another one. This one comes from Mark. What were you doing October 1995? Last win for the Braves in a World Series at home, Game 6. Wow. What I was doing in October of 1995, I was three years old. And I would say I was probably, I was a big fan of baseball from like the day I was born. So to be honest with you, and truthfully, I was a huge Atlanta Braves fan. So to be honest with you, I was probably watching that game, which is pretty cool. So thank you for that question. Let's get to the last one. This one comes from Ricardo. Where the hell is Jock Peterson? Is Jocktober over? No. Jocktober's not over, baby. He's coming. Those pearls are coming. This place is going to be rocking. We're going to see him tomorrow. But Jocktober is alive and well. Those pearls are coming. They're coming tomorrow. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. It's Jocktober. Those pearls are coming in Atlanta. Everybody's wearing them. We know they are. Legitimately, everybody Everybody, kids, adults, they're all wearing the pearls because it's Jocktober, Ricardo. It's not over. It's not over. But what, it, what is over is this show for today. But we have another one tomorrow. This has been a blast being along the way of this World Series. Tomorrow is game four. We get to do it all over again immediately following the game just like tonight. 
we get to do it all over again. It's going to be a blast. The place is going to be rocking. So make sure you check it out again tomorrow night. Thanks for getting in all your questions, by the way. It makes this game, it makes this, this show so much fun, you guys being a part of it. So thank you again for that. And make sure you tune in tomorrow night for another live episode of Flippin' Bath presented by Taco Bell. Thanks to Taco Bell for making this all happen. And thanks again for you guys for listening. I will see you tomorrow night right here. Peace.